We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. All right, episode three of Lion Legacy. We're making some good progress here, Ross. We are. Who knew that starting out from, I don't know, starting out from scratch, and here we are. We're, we're making something of it. We actually have three guests who have said yes to us yeah, so far. I think that's the most amazing part of it. And more to come, which is good. I'm excited. Really good. So, Jared, you you're, have some new scenery there. Tell us a little bit about where you are and what you're up to. I, I did. I upgraded my podcast studio and I took it all the way to Puerto Rico. I also upgraded my weather situation as well. So I sit outside in 80 degree weather every day with my laptop. Nice. The sunshine. Sometimes I'll take the seven minute long walk to the beach. And uh, yeah, just really enjoying some new scenery, obviously with COVID the cold winters in Philadelphia, I had the opportunity to kind of escape and really just enjoying my time here and hopefully we'll continue to stay safe. Excellent. Well, I've upgraded neither. Uh, I'm still in my basement as we record these podcasts and uh, the weather is not upgraded either. It's still uh, cold and, and gray, but honestly, as long as it's not snowing, I think I'll, I'll manage. I don't miss that weather at all, so you can keep it and have it. But we got a good one today. Yeah, Eric Christian. We'll tell you a little bit about him in a moment as we get into the conversation. But one of the things that Jared and I are trying to do here is is you know, we're just fascinated by what people do and to get a little bit of, of a better perspective on their careers and and pulling back the curtains, so to speak, on uh, what goes into it. He's a lighting professional. He's worked on a whole bunch of different uh shows that, and entertainment that we'll tell you about. But it was really cool to really get an understanding of, of what he does. And I mean, because I didn't know anything about lighting that goes into uh, film and, and music and, and uh, you know, recordings. I had no idea, but it was really cool to hear what he had to say. Let's get into it. All right. Let's welcome Eric Christian, Penn State graduating class of 2010 theater arts major and Emmy Award winner for his role as one of the lighting directors for Jesus Christ Superstar live in concert starring John Legend. I love John Legend. He's also worked on Saturday Night Live, New Year's Eve with Carson Daly, Josh Groban in concert, Patriot on Netflix, and my favorite, The Puppy Bowl, which we'll definitely need to get into as well. Welcome, Eric. Thanks for uh, joining us on Lion Legacy. Hello. Thanks for the, the invite. Hope it. Hope I'm riveting enough for uh for your new show. Thanks oh, for having no, me. No doubt there. No doubt. Now you're actually our second Emmy Award winner. Uh, ah. Last last podcast we had Shannon Furman, producer and director of of NFL Films, and I'll ask the same question to you that I asked of her. Where do you keep that prestigious award? It's actually right above me now. I'm I'm at my desk at home. Uh, where I, you know, prep a lot of shows and do a lot of my day-to-day -day business. And I, I built a little award shelf, so it's right above me right now. Not bad. Not bad at all. She's got, I think, seven Emmy Awards. Oops. So uh, we're uh, we're counting on you to add six more. That's I, I know it's a bigger – I'll have to build a bigger shelf if I get that many more. 
It's a little lonely up there, but it's okay. You'll be there someday, Eric, I'm sure. So Eric, uh, you know, I imagine that your job is one that doesn't get enough attention or praise. I would imagine that most people overlook it. It seems that good lighting is a mixture of both art and the science. I, I love everything that is both an art and a science. So uh, just tell us a little bit about what it means to be a lighting director and what does your role entail? I think I, I sometimes like it that we're kind of uh, behind the scenes and out of the line of fire of a lot of, uh, I don't know, criticism, but just a lot of the melee of, of live production. But I'm primarily a lighting programmer or lighting director. It depends on the show. But I basically actually translate the art into the technology. So it's interesting that you phrase it that way, because uh, there's people on our team that are more creative, like the lighting designer, who's my boss, like my direct boss. Uh, and then it's my job to take their artistic vision of they say, OK, I want this song to be blue and sparkly or something like that, and actually punch it in to the to the console uh, to make it actually happen on stage. Cool. Now, was there something that uh, that you saw like when you were younger that like, did you instantly kind of gravitate towards that? Maybe was it something you saw live with lighting or uh, on TV or a movie that kind of made you drew you towards this? I mean, I've certainly seen a lot of good shows in early, um, but I, it, funnily enough, my brother did audio and did it before me. He's four years older than me. Uh, so I kind of followed him into the world of tech theater and then did lighting because he did audio. So I said, well, I can't do that also. So I I don't know if I chose it by default, but now it's certainly certainly what I do. Quite a quite a combo. Also a Penn State grad? He did. He actually went back to graduate school. He he didn't go to Penn State for undergrad, but he went to grad school for the acoustics program. So not theatrical sound, but more of the math and science of sound. Um, he still does today and is, you know, quite math and sciencey. Awesome. And who ultimately decides or says, hey, I like the lighting or can we see something different? Who's ultimately making that decision? Uh, it depends on the show, but there's a whole chain of command above me. My direct boss is always the lighting designer. They're typically the person who hires me, uh, but they always are answering to someone. You know, if it's a show like a musical or a play, there's a director that they're answering to. And then there's, you know, eventually there's money people and producers who I guess have the final say. Uh, if you're talking about a concert, the artist at the end of the day has the final say, and you know some people from the label will have opinions. So there's there's always someone above you. Eric, as Jared mentioned in the in the intro, uh, you know you've been involved in handling the lighting for theater, concerts, television. Uh, what are the key differences, and what's your approach? You know when you're going into either of those, how are they different from your end? They are different, but I, I feel like they're becoming more and more the same. Uh, these days, and that's actually kind of where my my niche is, is I, I work across mediums. So I do, yes, everything from television. We do a lot of live shows. And it used to be that studio television lighting was studio television lighting, and it was nothing like concerts. You know, those are completely different people, uh, people and tools, and they did not cross at all. And these days, a lot of the technology is merging. And because of that, some of the people are merging. And then people like me have, have kind of found a a role in the middle somewhere. Very cool. And then, so now I was thinking about, you know, when I was doing the prep for the show here, 
thinking about myself as as kind of the consumer of of what you're working on. And one of the first things that popped into my mind was uh, TV technology. I, I personally haven't been in the market for a new television in a couple of years, but I know there's all kinds of crazy technology out there. You have your Ultra HD, OLED, QLED. You know, I don't even know what the differences are in all these, but I know it's a super sharp imagery that people are watching on 70 inches in their living room. So how is that technology that people are watching what you're producing and what you're, what you're programming, how does that influence how you program it? Uh, it, it does a lot. And it actually, we talk about that a lot in like very technical lighting terms of it, you have to think about what you're lighting for. And so we do these, you know, if you're doing a concert and it's purely a concert and there's only people there, you can be a little more aggressive with the lighting, but a lot of that won't translate to television. So you really have to think, how are people consuming this? Uh, so some shows now we do are live streamed and people are watching it on their phones. And so that you make different considerations. Um, but yeah, the, the high end stuff is quite nice. Now the 4k and 8k and this probably by the time this comes out, it'll be 12k <laughs> as standard, but no, we, we do take that into consideration and the, the camera technology has really improved and actually kind of made our job easier in a sense where we can be a little more dramatic with the lighting and it'll still be captured. We used to have to operate in a, a very tight range of what the cam, uh, cameras could pick up. And uh, now it's a little better. Always getting better. You mentioned concerts there. And um, I've always enjoyed going to concerts. I can't wait to go back to concerts after the pandemic. <laughs> but when you think about the lights at a concert, it plays such an important role there. Can you talk to us a little bit about how the lights are actually synced with the music because it all seems to come together so well and so nicely. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what we hope for. The idea is that, you know, it's, it's one seamless production and not only lighting and audio, but now there's video elements and pyro and cryo and moving scenery and all sorts of light up led wristbands that the audience have is a, was a popular gimmick a few years ago. So the way you actually do that is uh, it's called time code and some of the music tracks will have essentially a secret track that only um, we can hear and that syncs up. It's essentially just a clock that's running. And so we can all sync to the same clock and then we all know exactly where we are in the music and then we can assign our lights to flash at the exact time within 30th of a second. We can say this is exactly when the verse starts. Uh, the light should change there. Uh, that's not every concert, by the way, and some artists will not admit to that, and so there will be no names here. So some music is synced and some is live, and so if you have a rock and roll, old school bands, they're probably not playing to a clock with a metronome in their ears. They're probably just going for it, and then the lighting team is just uh, hoping to keep up with them. H Eric, how much prep goes into that when you worked with Josh Groban, for example? I mean, we're talking about like weeks of preparation to to line that all up and get the buy-in from the artist and then the producers. And I imagine that's quite an effort. So the Josh Groban show is a little different. Uh, just to be clear on that, that tour was already going. It was actually the last stop was at Madison Square Garden. So we came in to film it as a DVD special. There was already a lighting designer on tour and, a, or I guess a touring lighting director. And we came in and bothered him for a day to make sure that it was filmable because they had never, when they originally created that, concert tour you know six months prior or whatever that wasn't a huge consideration was m making it good for television uh, so we came in and 
and just annoyed them until we thought it would look uh, better for the cameras. But in general, uh, it can be weeks, uh, it can be months. The artist will send out tracks uh, way ahead of time, which of course, then there's all sorts of secrecy and contracts that have to be signed to make sure things don't get leaked because that has happened before. But I think what we're getting better at now in lighting is we're getting better at working offsite. So it used to be that you had to be in the room to do a lot of this stuff. And nowadays with the computer technology, uh, we're actually designing a lot of these shows and really programming them in virtual spaces, um, in rendering programs. And so by the time we actually get to the really expensive rehearsals where we've had to rent out an arena or a, you know, a big theater, we're already a long way there. Certainly not done. And there's, there's some things that you can only see in person. Uh, but these days you can spend weeks in maybe a rental shop or, you know, in your own studio to get uh, prepared to do that. Are you doing a lot of work these days um, due to COVID remotely as well? Uh, not really. No, it's it's nothing like it was. Uh, we were really having a hot streak going into 2019 and, and through 2019 into 2020. And it's really all pretty much shut down. I've done a few small things here and there, you know, a music video here or a, a small product thing for a day. But no, it's nothing like it used to be. Some people are working pretty well. And actually, some of the technology I just talked about of, of working in digital spaces, some of that stuff has then translated to actually doing fully digital shows, especially in the video realm. If you've seen some of the, the most recent award shows, you'll see these, these cool digital, they're calling them XR stages uh, or AR stages or VR stages. And some of that stuff came directly from the rendering we've been working on for the last decade. Very interesting. So give us the scoop actually on the Puppy Bowl. I know I mentioned it in the intro. First, what's that even like to work on? And then talk to us specifically about lighting for dogs. It's awesome to work on. Uh, I will preface this in saying that that I do actually have, you would be surprised the shows that have very strict NDA contracts, uh, non-disclosure agreements. And Puppy Bowl does have a contract, so I, I will stop myself before I say anything too incriminating. Uh, but it is fun to work on. It's really great. It, the team is great. We've had the same team now for we just finished our fourth year of Puppy Bowl. Uh, so it's been really nice to have a, a steady group. And I think you're really going to like Puppy Bowl XVII, which is the, uh, the upcoming one, which will be February 2021. Um, but no, it's great. Lighting dogs is actually very hard, I will say. And the main, the obvious reason is if you think about the range of human skin tone, uh, it's quite very, you know, it varies quite a bit from, you know, pale to, to someone who's, who's fairly dark skinned. But if you think about dog fur, you can have one dog, which is both pure white and black, uh, like think of a Dalmatian. And so to try and capture that whole range in a single dog, and they look down a lot, is actually... <laughs> A lot harder than people give us credit for. It's a everyone's like, oh, that must be the funnest show, and and it is, but uh, it does take some some thought. Your subjects are not listening to you to the direction from the uh, producers like uh, humans would, right? Uh, I don't think all the humans do either, <laughs> but that's okay. Ross, I never thought we would be talking about lighting for dogs when we first started this. Podcast. Hey, it was a blank <laughs> canvas, Jared. I mean, you know, we're we're covering the whole gamut of topics. But no, new set this year for Puppy Bowl uh, 17, and uh, it, it's going to look different. I think it's going to look good, and I'm excited to see uh, it come out. Excellent. 
so Eric, what's uh, what's been your favorite project to work on? Uh, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar was very good. I was very proud of that show. And this is awards aside, um, you know, I, that was a show that even before the awards, I said like that was something I would mention to people if they said like, "What do you do?" I'm like, "I do that show." I'm like, go watch that, and you'll know what I do. Uh, and it was also a great project with some, with some good friends, but also it was a merging of a lot of the stuff I do. It's theater, it's television, it had a lot of a concert feel, which was intentional. The aesthetic was very concerty at times, and we, we actually worked that way in a technology sense. Uh, so yeah, it, that, that really was a great project. And you got to work with John Legend. Isn't he one of the only people, maybe, to win an Emmy, Grammy, and Oscar? Is that right? And a Tony. Egot. Uh, oh, and a Tony. One of, I think, about 15 to 20. It's largely composers rather than, you know, the celebrities you might think of. I know Tina Rivera, I believe, has one. John is the best. And I actually, it was, I guess it was 2018 or 2019. I saw him like four times that year. And we saw him at the show, of course, at Jesus Christ Superstar, then at the awards. But then he also appeared on a, an NBC special for i guess the christmas tree lighting which i lit his performance on new year's eve and then his wife was with carson daly on the nbc new year's eve show which i lit so yeah we had a good john legend year excellent that's awesome excellent and so what uh, the follow-up to that so then what's uh what's your dream project if you could work on anything what would it be it probably have to be an olympic opening ceremony I mean, that, that's kind of like the biggest show in the world. It's broadcast all over the world with a billion live viewers. Something of that nature, I guess. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's get you to Tokyo in uh, 2021. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it used to be that the team, the lighting team, specifically for the Olympic opening ceremonies was uh, Western, no matter where they were. And I think at, uh, when they did China in 2010, I want to say, they kind of changed that and said, no, we want our own nation represented in, you know, the creative process, which I completely agree with. But then by the time I came, came of age, I guess, to, to start being looking into those shows, like it, it's kind of shut out. So I think not only do I need to, you guys need to get me on that, but you need to get the Olympics back in the States first, and then I can start pursuing all, that. All right. We'll, we'll work on that one for sure. You mentioned team. So I want to touch on that a little bit. Talk to us a little bit around how many people consist of a lighting team. And I know that's probably varies, but when you say working on the Olympics or working on, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar, what do these lighting teams look like? So I would start with the creative team uh, of lighting. And so that would be the lighting designer. They'll often have associate designers, maybe two or three of them will be doing a lot of the drafting and a lot of the on-site work. Uh, and then there'll be a programmer, maybe three programmers if it's a really huge show. Uh, you know, it's essentially my role. And then then there's more of the technology folks. And you'll have a gaffer or a production electrician, depending on the type of show. And then they'll have their assistant, which will sometimes be best boy or best girl if you're doing television, or just assistant production electricians. And there'll be a handful of them often. And then there's the crew who are often like locals, if you're doing a show that's, you know, if, if I do a show in the middle of the country, we won't fly 20 stagehands out. We'll use 20 stagehands from wherever we're going. Uh, 
you know, spot up. So, but yeah, that's that's pretty much the makeup of it. It's always just amazing how many people work on these shows behind the scenes that we don't see, we don't know. So much work goes into to making these shows happen. All right. Well, let's transition. We're going to put you in the lion's den, which no surprise is a segment dedicated to everything and anything about our alma mater, Penn State. So, Eric, first question. So as, as we've spoken about here today, you've had a very impressive career already. How has Penn State prepared you for your career and your life? Certainly, I learned a lot of skills uh, going through the tech program there, the, the technical design and production, I believe is called. Um, but I'd say more than that, it was the people that I met and the people that I met there uh, are still my friends today, but also still my colleagues today. And if you're doing a show in New York, uh, no matter what it is, television or Broadway or, or concert, uh, you will, you'll be hard pressed to not find a Penn State alum within that production. And so I think that's been the biggest benefit. We're, we're just everywhere, right? There's, there's so many. I remember the stats when I was going on the tour. It was like, you know, one in something college graduates or Penn State graduates. And you go, that can't be right. That's too high. But it, it's very much true. And if you, you know, wear a Penn State shirt or something, you'll, you'll find out it's very true. Awesome. This is always the toughest question. But what is your favorite Penn State memory? There's so many. I mean, the some of the whiteout games, and those are those are some big ticket items. And, and when I was there, Joe Paterno was still around, and so that certainly was a different vibe. Hmm, that's a tough one. I mean, then there's you know some memorable parties, which we certainly won't get into uh, on this. <laughs> All right, very fair, cool. fair enough. Um, if you could look back at 18 year old freshman year Eric, what advice would you give him? I think it'd be something along the lines of, of say yes to everything uh, work-wise because I, you know, I went to school for theatrical lighting design uh, and the stuff that I do now is not theater. You know, I, I do very, very little theater. And so if I had known then that I should learn TV stuff and I should learn more concert stuff and more music stuff, I think I'd be, I would have been ahead of where I am today if I had really aimed that way instead of just kind of falling into a lot of it. And does Penn State offer beyond just the theater? There's a bit of some make your own major stuff you can kind of do. Um, and they were, were working on a TV studio the last I chatted with them. And I'm not, to be honest, sure how that's coming along. And and when I talk to college kids and stuff, and we've had a lot of like masterclass things since we've all been out of work uh, with COVID. And that's something I'll always say is like, you know, explore this. And especially now, a lot of my friends who do only theater are kind of stumped because the projects that are coming back now are very heavily TV and film. And so if these people don't have the vocabulary to, to operate in that world, they're going to be out of work even longer, you know, until Broadway comes back, which is going to be a while. And along the advice lines that Ross was talking about, when you're talking with someone who is potentially considering Penn State, what do you tell them? Why should they go to Penn State? Uh, it's fun, uh, but also the the majors. The major for me was kind of what sold me, and that Penn State is obviously this huge school, and you can go to a football game on the weekend and you know, scream your head off with 110,000 other people. But the theater department at Penn State is an incredibly tight knit family, and so something that really appealed to me was kind of having the best of both worlds and and choosing that. Um, and so it was great. And in 
turns out in retrospect, I mostly hung out with the same, you know, six people every night and wasn't going to a huge frat party every night and meeting a thousand new people. Uh, but you could if you wanted. And I think it's nice to have that option as you, you know, figure your life out at 18, 19. Have you been back to the university? Uh, obviously, before COVID, had you been back there in recent years? I had. I, I went back and I want to say it was January of 2019. I could be getting this wrong. It could have been 2018. The Penn State Theater Department, since I left, started a thing called Stages, which was kind of like a, a day-long master class. And it was heavily alum, but then there were also our, some of our friends. So there were probably 20 or so of us on panels. And this was for the theater department. So we did a panel on that and there was actors and there was tech people and then we'd break off and do sessions. Uh, and I thought that was such a great program. I wish it was there when I was there, but I was you know, happy to be a part of it uh, in its current life. That's great. Otherwise, have you uh, have you connected with any students? Are you involved in any like uh, mentoring or would you like to be at some point? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be. I, I had to reach out and and make sure the the lighting professor is aware that that a lot of us, myself included, are free. And so, like when COVID first came down and we were all, you know, kicked off our shows and stuck at home, uh, there was a lot of people doing master classes and a lot of the college programs also were stuck at home and couldn't be doing in-person classes. So they were happy to have us off to reach out and make sure they're aware that I'm happy to make up some lecture and ramble through that. Well, we'll make sure that this podcast gets in the professor's <laughs> hands up there and then to the students as well. So they know that they can reach out to you directly. Yeah. Great. No, it's, it's fun. I'm still in contact with the lighting professor at Penn State, uh, William Kenyon, and uh, we chat from time to time and yeah, I'll have to mention that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, this has been great. We learned a lot. I know our audience is learning a lot as Absolutely. well. We certainly wish you continued success, hopefully getting back to work sooner rather than later as the pandemic is nearing an end. And we always like to end with one thing. We are Penn State. Lion Legacy is a Baruder production. If you enjoyed this Labor of Love podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform.